This podcast is brought to you by Upcase. Improve your development skills by completing coding exercises that are peer-reviewed by real humans. Learn more at upcase.com. I hate UX. It's terrible. It's not even an acronym. It's like user experience. It starts with an E. It should be U-E, not U-X. Yeah, that's that's true. Come on. (laughs) Hello. You're listening to Tentative, a podcast about digital product design. I'm your co-host, Reda Lamedin, and with me... Kyle Fiedler. So this is the first episode of the show, and I've got some um, disclaimers. <laughs> I have one word that I'd rather not hear in this podcast at all. It's, a, it's not actually a word. It's more I like an acronym. I can't wait to say this word all the time. We, we have to try hard, like, to not say it. What is it? You might know it already. I, the word, well, the two letters, UX. What's wrong with UX? It's, I, I just don't like it. I would rather say user, user experience, experience or experience, like especially when it's combined with the word design, like as in UX design. I get offended with that. Well, <laughs> that offends me a lot. User experience designer is a little, you know, it's it's a lot mouthful. Um, well, yeah, it is, but it's you, not a thing. Do you thing. go around telling people that you write uh, cascading style sheets? No, no, that's and not the same thing. Text markup language. <laughs> so the the problem I have is not with the acronym itself, but like the the entire concept. And the acronym now like embodies the concept, if you see what I mean. So I'm fine with the word experience as a standalone word, and the word like user as a standalone word. But when you put these together and you append design, I start to get offended <laughs> because I don't know. I just feel that it's not something you design and thus like i really don't like i wouldn't say oh i like that website or app it has really good ux i usually don't say that and in fact i never say that uh so anyways if you don't want to follow this rule it's fine this is my personal rule you can define your own so that's that's the word i'm gonna be blacklisting and if i ever say it then i will have a minus point whatever How are we keeping score of our points? Uh, I think Tom can can take care of that. (laughs) Cool. I think those are the things I wanted to get out of the way. It's kind of a short bolt list. It's it's better than my bolt list, which is nothing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, and also, like, I was thinking maybe I have more words, but I was surprised to realize that there's only one word that really offends me, and that's UX. I can actually cope with all the other stuff that we we see or read every day. So I think I'm fine with that. So uh, Kyle, how about you talk to uh, to us about something? Maybe yourself? <laughs> That's kind of boring. <laughs> no. uh, okay. One of the things that you had lined up was the new wave of browsers. Oh yeah, we can totally talk about that. So the, basically it's... Um, it's a coincidence maybe, but we've got like two new browser announcements in the last uh, a couple of weeks. I'm not sure if you heard about them, Kyle. I heard about Spartan. I did not hear about Vivaldi. Is that how you say yeah. it? Yeah, it kind of went under the, the radar for a lot of people. Just because it, I think it oh, was eclipsed actually, with... Actually, I did see this. 
Okay. Sorry, I'm interrupting you. I did see this. No, that's totally fine. <laughs> it's like it was eclipsed by the announcement from Microsoft. So, like, everyone was looking at Spartan. Like, mm-hmm. it came, I guess, I'm, I, I'm not sure. Like, there was an announcement at some point. So, Spartan is actually the one that got a lot of uh, attention. And the surprising thing about Spartan that I just learned recently is that it's going to come with uh, Internet Explorer on the same machine. So we'll get both Internet Explorer and Spartan. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> it, it, I don't know. It's just, it, it doesn't feel right to me to ship a system with two browsers. But what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I didn't know that. I thought this would replace IE. Um, well, eventually. It yeah. Will. No, that's really interesting. It's funny to give people that choice. They said like it's for compatibility like reasons, uh, but I I really don't get that because IE eleven is actually pretty good as far as like support and standards, so I I don't I don't exactly get the point of like being compatible. Maybe I think it's drop in support for uh, DirectX. I might be totally bullshit in here, but did did they say what the reason is for like coming out with two instead of just having one browser and they Whatever. didn't. <laughs> no. Is there a new rendering engine for it? I probably should have done my my research on this. It it, ha- it has a new rendering engine, and I think they're very proud of it. The thing is, they did not state the problem with IE or IE eleven. And honestly, I feel like IE eleven is on the right track, or IE in general. Like it has the features you would expect from a modern browser. But I think, and this is just me that they're kind of like they want to get rid of the IE brand because it was like tarnished so like it it was really like the the brand can no longer recover it's like maybe it's just IE 12 with a new rendering engine and a new name or something like that I mean I don't know I don't I don't have insider info but this is the way it feels to me like this is more branding and modernizing the brand than actually bringing out some new features or Something like that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go with this. So for me, this is more important than Vivaldi. I feel like, at least for now, Vivaldi is just for tech people. And this is why I glanced at it and was like, okay, this is really cool. But I don't, like, I probably should have downloaded it and played with it for a little bit, as I usually do. But I, I don't think we're going to ever see Vivaldi matching like Safari, IE, Chrome as like one of the big browser vendors that we have to like test for and design for. Yeah, uh, so Vivali is actually spearheaded by one of the ex-Opera people. And I, I, I even think it's the CEO. Uh, I, I, I might be wrong about that, but it's like someone higher up at Opera who actually started this project after some other uh, My Opera project i think something like that closed i'm not very familiar I, in fact i'm not familiar at all with opera uh browser so i don't have the the, the facts here but it seems like it's a, a reincarnation of a defunct project and <laughs> the funny thing about vivaldi is like i the tagline it's it's kind of uh weird the tagline says a new browser for our friends I'm not sure who are our friends. Am I one of those friends? I, I think it might refer to um, 
Opera users or the community. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it's a it's a browser for our friends. <laughs> and and an IE is the browser for our enemies. Um I I agree that probably Vivaldi will never I mean this is just speculation, but it will like the best position it could end up in is the position Opera had, which is a very niche position. Yeah. Whereas Spartan might actually get like a user base just because it will ship by default on Windows and maybe Xbox. For Spartan, did they say like which one will be the default browser? Because that that to me is the biggest telltale sign of like if it will Um, eventually replace IE or if like they're shipping IE with Spartan just so that people are reassured about, you know, Internet Explorer and they have that same, you know, brand recognition, even though in the tech world, it has like a very bad connotation. I imagine with a lot of people, it has a good connotation. Um, Yeah. So I'd be interested to see if that is the default browser. Like when someone clicks on uh, URL in their email, like is it opening up in IE or is it opening up in Spartan? So according to Wikipedia, it says Spartan will serve as the default browser on both the PC and mobile device versions of Windows 10. So yes, it's going to be the default browser. And IE is just there for those who are used to IE or rely on IE for some reason. I I don't see why you would be locked into uh, IE. But I mean, if you have the choice between the two, I don't see why you would go and use IE. I'm not aware of any features that make IE different from from Spartan or from any other browser. It's an interesting thing. Do you think there will be any repercussions for this for people doing web design? I hope not. I mean, like as you as you've been saying, IE has been basically modernizing very well. The, the last couple releases that they've had have been not terrible, which was what they're known yeah. for, right? So. I expect that they'll want to continue that with the IE product and like even improve upon that with the Spartan browser. So for me, it's like, it says that like they're really thinking about their browsers at Microsoft, which is like, can only be a good thing for us. Yeah. I think the, anyone who uh, like makes a browser today, they need to make it standard compliant. So, Probably I have a good feeling about this, or at least I don't think it matters that much for me as a as a web designer because I think now we have the the right tools like we have SAS and mixins and auto prefixer and all of that stuff that takes care of uh, prefixing for us. So like there isn't something that like concerns me particularly about these announcements. It's not like they're gonna introduce the filter property. Uh, remember that one for gradients. <laughs> It's like the weirdest syntax I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Those were the, the dark uh, days of uh, doing web design. Those I feel like with that dark. Come on. Yeah, true. Well, they were less dark. They were the gray days of, of, of web design. The thing is the standards make our jobs easier. That's why like we had people like Jeffrey Zeldman and all the people who were like pro standards. Like they did a really good job at making all vendors and and, uh, all the stakeholders work towards like a a unified platform. Yep. So yeah, that's uh, good news maybe for users. 
because I guess the more choices you have, the better. I, I, I really don't think that having one single browser that has the highest like market share is the right way because that creates a lot of problems like siloing information and things like that. Yeah, no, that's the reason that IE6 was so bad. It was because they had gained the majority of the market share and yeah. they just kind of sat on IE6 for so long because it's like, They didn't think they needed to actually improve upon it, or at least this is my outsider yeah. perspective of like, they didn't need to improve upon it because they had market share and it just, it never improved. So it yeah. just was terrible. <laughs> is it just me or I feel like currently Chrome is, is the, uh, like in that regard, is the IE6 of, of like today. It's like, it's a lot of things work with Chrome and not anywhere else. And you know, like if you, if you don't use Chrome, you really like start realizing how much broken, like recently I, I tweeted this like screenshot of some app. I don't remember that I tried on uh, Safari and says currently it works only on Chrome. And I had it like so many times, like where I would use something or go to a website and it clearly says it works on Chrome. You should, you should go and use Chrome. I don't feel very good about this because I know that most web developers use Chrome and as long as it works on whatever they're using, it's fine. But that's not the web. You're building Chrome apps. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. That, that, those things kind of remind me of what the web used to be where it's like, oh, you need to view this in a certain browser or you, know, you need to make sure that your browser is up to this browser version that's not the way the web should be i i do enjoy they're pushing the browser the browser makers forward i think chrome is taking it to a new level and i'm not sure how i feel about that i think it's totally fine if it's like for experimentation purposes like if i'm building something with webgl I'm probably going to make it Chrome only because it has the best WebGL support. But like for a thing that's meant for users, a product, or you have absolutely like no excuse to make it uh, work only or work best on Chrome. And it's like most, like the latest version of almost any browser now can handle most of the stuff you need to make good web apps or websites. <laughs> They should handle so, everything that you need. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, I mean, well, uh, like things like WebGL is still like not there yet. And, you know, like there are some features that are absent in some browsers. And usually those are not necessary. What I was trying to say is that if you take all the things that are required to make a really good uh, web experience, those things are supported now by like all browsers or like latest version of all browsers. So the thing that actually gets to me is like when there are features that are Chrome only, And people just like use them in their products or websites. And that makes it alienating for people who uh, do not use that browser for, for various reasons. Like the browser is really good, but like you can't like just assume that everyone will be using the same browser as yourself. Right. I feel like if they're important features, they should be available to everyone. Right. Yeah. They should be basically progressively enhanced. You should be designing and building for the lowest common denominator and, and building upon that. So like if someone isn't in Chrome and you are using WebGL, you know, figure out before you use WebGL, figure out a way for those people to have a, a similar experience. Maybe it's not as great. Yeah. And then build upon that. 
I sometimes feel guilty for using just Chrome when I'm like doing, because obviously it's the best browser for developing. Like the Chrome web tools, they're really good. I sometimes use the Safari equivalent, but it, it pales in comparison to in terms of features and things like that. So I feel guilty of that as well. And I'm not, I'm not sure like what's the best way to do it. Recently, I've started looking into some ways of solving this problem. Do you have any like tips or things you do to make sure that your work looks good on more browsers than just Chrome? Not really tips. I just kind of every once in a while while I'm building an app or a website, I'll throw it up in, in Safari or Firefox um, and see how it's looking there. For me, maybe it's like tied to certain pull requests. Like if I have a big pull request, I'll usually check the other browsers, especially if it's bigger CSS ones. But yeah. no really trick. I, I, I do feel the same thing. Like every once in a while, I'll be working so much in Chrome that like one of our clients I would use like Safari or Firefox and each just do a screenshot of Mac a Firefox and it'd be like that's something that I should probably be able to catch yeah. but like my head's down working in Chrome because those tools I agree those tools are the best I've been using like browser sync uh as well uh, did you try that before browser sync it's like live reload basically no, I, I've been meaning to try it. I used Live Reload for a very long time, and yeah. I just got a new computer, and I intentionally didn't install it. A lot of the times, I'd load up Live Reload, and it would take me more time than would just be to Command R. Yeah. So, I don't know. Live Reload, <laughs> yeah, Live Reload is definitely something I wouldn't use. I, I actually stopped using Live Reload, and... Uh, went for a few months not using anything until I came across uh, Browser Sync. And the one of the really cool features about Browser Sync is that it, it also like syncs user interactions. So when you scroll, you click, or you do something, it happens on all browsers, including like your mobile device, if you have that page open. And it's really, really, really good. Like I use it now, like most of the time I open like one Firefox window Chrome, Safari, sometimes IE as well in a window, like in a Windows virtual machine. And it's installed in your system as a command line utility, or you can, there are, there are multiple ways to to work with it. And it's, it's really good. I've been using it a lot for this kind of things. And it, it kind of made me feel a bit less guilty about the uh, Chrome thing. Do you have to start a browser sync for every site that you're working on? Is it similar to Live Reload in the fact that like every time you have a site, you have to run their sync command? Yeah, it, it has to go with every site, and that's because uh, it has multiple ways of being like integrated with your workflow. So I've been using Gulp a lot recently, and there is a Gulp uh, browser sync. Uh, for Rails, I, I can just use the command line. I just pass the Rails port that your app is running on and it, it, it you can actually, it, it picks that and it, it, it watches a folder. You just pass it a folder as well to watch. It's less, um, the Rails integration is not top-notch, but I've been doing a lot of gulp and static web pages with Jekyll. So yeah, it works pretty fine with, with those. I mean, you don't even start it manually. Like I have a setup so that when you start serving or watching your website, it automatically uh, starts as well. So it just becomes part of the workflow. Cool. Yeah. But again, like 
so the, the the idea is that we need to be like testing for multiple browsers uh, at least like the have firefox because usually firefox tends to be the it's like the new ie it's it it, it has it has a lot of quirks it and does. It, it, <laughs> you have to you have to watch out uh with like firefox because like a lot of things they look fine even on ie 11 and then they they look somehow different i wouldn't say off because each vendor they implement the spec in the way they see is right so it looks different on Firefox and and you've got to account for that as well. So yeah, that's it for uh for browsers. Have you heard of uh React Native? I have not. The reason I want to talk about this now is that it was announced last week by Facebook uh, in their uh React uh conference or the event. Uh, have you have you ever played with React JS like the uh front end javascript framework no i have not the projects that i've been working on have been mostly ember so i've been okay. using some of the front end yeah. stuff for that not done any react yet so react is one of those frameworks where you no longer have like uh the markup is part of your javascript so you like you define components like i don't know a search box and the markup for the search box is written in javascript or I think I think it works with with uh, JavaScript, maybe CoffeeScript, and it's the uh, the thing uh, about React is that the component, like it, it manip- of course, like it manipulates the DOM, but like the the components are updated in a reactively. So when something changes in the model, the component picks it up and updates itself. So you no longer have to do the kind of binding that we usually do in jQuery, like when you click this, I want this to happen, that sort of stuff. And I've been meaning to try it for a while. I just didn't have the the chance. First, how do you feel about that? Not writing HTML. <laughs> for me, it feels a little, doesn't feel right. Um, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel, doesn't feel good. <laughs> yeah. There, um, there was, there was a lot of backlash. That's, yeah, I, I can see that. I don't know. Like, I would want to, before I form an opinion, I would want to play with it. But yeah, that's my gut reaction is like the JavaScript and the HTML should be separate, right? Like, yeah. This was what I, I guess I've been t- told, like, through standards, like, you should st- separate your, your structure, your style, and then your, you know, your interactions. Functions, interactions. Oh, yeah. So. To me, this this feels like just as bad as doing inline CSS. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good analogy. Uh, the The thing is, well, obviously, like it felt like it felt wrong to me, and it still feels wrong to me. It's it's a thing that you know, it's like it's like my brain is divided into three parts, where like I have this is markup, this is interaction, and this is CSS. And when you just like come and tell me, you know what? Screw that. It's just like everything in one file. I need a lot of time to get used to it. I would say. Yeah, I, I agree. Is it's I would assume that it would take a little bit. Like for me, it would be similar to like getting used to looking at HTML. Uh, in Haml as opposed to like straight HTML. Like it takes yeah. a little while to get used to that syntax. Once you do, like 
at first I, I had the same reaction of like, I don't like Hamill. It doesn't look like HTML. And now I don't mind it like for doing really quick prototypes or really quick markup. It tends to like, for me, it works out really well. Um, so I, I don't know if I, I like the same reaction here of like at first, like it seems terrible, but. But there's a big difference though. Like when you look at Hamel, you're already seeing the HTML in there. Like you can see the structure in there. So it's just like you're writing an outline for your HTML. Whereas like something like React uh, or any of uh, JavaScript frameworks that uh, take markup and turn it into part of the JavaScript code, uh, it's you don't see the structure because basically it's no longer a list of like elements uh, nested in each other. It it becomes like this, especially for if we look at React, like it becomes this component based architecture which is mostly used in native apps, not in the web. And although like I like components because they're they're reusable, but I feel like HTML is not the right uh, way to makes something act as a component even if you wrap it in js because at the end you will be outputting html so i don't know how to feel about this like i can see the benefit of like abstracting the markup into reusable and configurable components and at the same time not like having the um control over over like how you your markup is going to look or end up working it it becomes basically a black box i still don't know how to feel about this like part of me wants to move to something more flexible and better than html but part of me knows that at the end we will be using html so we're not really solving the problem we're just like wrapping it in like a nice wrap yeah i'm not that's how i felt with uh or started to feel like with with sass is like we had this this nice thing and I feel like for a long time at least personally I like I abused a lot of that to the detriment of my CSS and the last couple of years I've been like rethinking the way that I'm writing my SAS to be more like basically how I wrote CSS yeah. um so <laughs> in other words I agree with you <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this this particular point of SaaS, it's interesting to see, like, a lot of people in the community started to move towards that direction. And I'm actually one of them. Like, if you look at my SaaS now, like, it's usually one level, like, not much nesting going on, except for, like, for pseudo elements and things like that. And it's it's very close to how you would write CSS. And if you use something like auto-prefixer or uh, something that makes you use... Uh, prefixer like mixings less uh, then it really starts to look like css basically but yeah i i get i get the idea of like you want whatever you write to be as close to the final output as possible uh i don't know maybe it will take us some time uh but but the thing about react is like last week what they announced is actually a native version of it so it's called react native and what it does is basically a you you write JavaScript, so in 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 uh, native platforms there's no markup, but they're still like they have views. So you write like your view hierarchy and like your components in JS, and then it runs in the background and it compiles the native counterparts of that. If you see what I mean, it's like it's just instead of outputting HTML, 
it would be outputting, say, a UI view for, for iOS or a view for Android. And basically, you will be able to write fully native apps with all the, uh, you know, the things that you get with native apps right in JavaScript. And that was like a lot of people were really excited, like with this announcement, uh, including people like um, Andy Matushak, who used to be an ex uh, UI kit guy. And he was he tweeted about this being huge, a huge deal. I personally, I I, mean, I can't have an opinion about something I haven't tried. So, um, I mean, I'm. Uh, again, why don't you, why don't you I, talk I, about it? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk about it just to see how you feel about it. because the thing is like I can write native I can I can write like Objective C or Swift so for me this is it's sure it's a different paradigm and it's very different like writing reactive UIs appeals to me and I I've done that in the past with reactive Cocoa but I want to have the opinion of someone who writes more JavaScript or HTML and the prospect of this from that point of view. If you see what I mean. Yeah, I, I think maybe I've just seen so many bad native apps that have been started from like the same repo. From my perspective, I've seen a ton of bad apps that I can tell like once I've installed it that it isn't native. Um, yeah. Even even on the Mac, you can tell which apps aren't native and it's a worse experience. But I mean, that's without actually looking at it or hearing anyone who uses yeah. it. I enjoy the idea of JavaScript developers being able to build, you know, native applications, but I want it to be at the same standard as those native applications. I don't want to be able to, you know, build an application and still have it be second class. Yeah. So actually this is a very good point. Uh, like a lot of people were saying exactly this, but the thing about React Native is that it's already on the app store so you can try apps that use it so the facebook groups app is built with react native if you have been using that i don't have facebook anymore <laughs> yeah well i don't either but uh that's uh one example of an app on the okay. app store so basically it's going to be first class because javascript is running in the background and sending back like native views so you would have an experience that's as fast as any app that's built entirely in in the native stack so uh this is basically where their selling point uh which is forget about phone gap cordova and all that stuff this is like the real deal this is like take javascript and write a first class native app smooth animations and everything like you get with native apps. And one of the really cool things they showed in the demo is the uh, you don't need to rebuild your app every time, which is like the biggest pain point of uh, mobile or, or native development is like whenever you make a change, you have to rebuild the app. And that takes a lot of time. Like people who do that sort of stuff might actually end up losing hours every week just like waiting for the app to rebuild. And it, it demoed really well. So one thing interesting about React Native is that you write not only the markup or view hierarchy, or but also like the styles. So they they created like a subset of uh, of CSS that you write within that file. It's basically one file with everything in it, and this is also like one of those things that got me in the past. Like there were like these um, frameworks that allow you to style iOS apps with CSS like syntaxes. 
And I know that a lot of efforts uh, went into making those, but most of them really like ended up sucking because first it's not like the thing about CSS is that I know that I will get these features. So when you give me like just a subset of CSS or even like a different implementation of CSS, then basically you're taking everything I know about CSS, throwing it out the window and coming up with something else. So I have to relearn that thing again. <laughs> yeah, I think I think for those in particular, like they're they're trying to play off of CSS the syntax and they're causing more problems than they're solving. From your mental stent like your mental model of like how CSS works, they're changing that. And and so because they're doing that, it's it's causing you more problems than than it's worth, right? Like that 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 to me was like one of the reasons from an outsider's perspective, like one of the reasons why you wanted to dive into the native code. Yeah. If this ends up actually doing what they demoed, I mean, I can see the potential here. I, I probably might not use it personally if it involves writing JavaScript because I don't want to write JavaScript, basically. If there is a way I can write Swift or CoffeeScript or something else, and I think there should be because it's not really hard to write in a different language and output to JavaScript. And in fact, it's it's done by thousands of libraries and, and, and languages out there. So I might actually use this if, if it doesn't involve uh, writing JavaScript. And I can see the potential. Like anyone who knows a bit of JavaScript and a bit of CSS, although I'm not sure how useful that would be because they implemented a kind of like, it's inspired by CSS sort of thing. So yeah, I think I would probably just wait for it. It's not, the thing is like they announced it, but it's not open source. I mean, it's on GitHub, but they just gave access to the people in the conference. So no one else can like use it right now. So, which feels a bit unfair. <laughs> Yeah, it's... like they put the video they put the video for everyone but the access only to the people i guess that's like the way to get them to get people to be more interested in that i don't know but yeah i'll be the first to check it out when it when it comes out this potentially could be a game changer and it would allow more more people especially designers to kind of like do native apps without having to learn all the quirks I'm going to add game changer to the list of words that we can't use. <laughs> uh, you, you, we got to add UX and we can get game changer. Uh, fine. All right. We've got two words now. Is that a good place to end? <laughs> I guess. Um, I do want to say like, we don't plan on, you know, always talking about web browser specific stuff. Like this is going to be no. a design product design podcast. So like that's everything that, uh, designer at ThoughtBot entails. So everything from like research, doing, you know, the business strategy, design sprints, you know, all of that stuff, wireframing. We kind of talked about the other end today of like implementing browsers and just wanted to make that note. Actually, th these topics uh, were mostly because they were news yep. and they affect us in a way. So I don't think we will be like, uh, limiting ourselves to a specific topic. And in fact, anything that I can rant about, I'm totally open to, to discuss that. Can we add more words to our list? I think we can. It's open. Great. Yeah, it's open until the 50th episode. 
if we're gonna ever reach that so so our list has to be decided by the 50th <laughs> <laughs> no that, that's a stupid milestone <laughs> no that that makes no sense i don't even think we'll be recording 50 I, i'll but be if, shocked uh, if they ask us to do another one yeah <laughs> I, I i would be too yeah thank thank you kyle for uh, being here yeah thank you do you do you want to tell them where they can find the show notes so the show notes would be at tentative.io. That's our website. Uh, you'll find a list of episodes. Uh, we're on Twitter. I'm at Kaishin. I'll be putting that on the website as well. And Kyle? Kyle Fiedler on Twitter. The, the show yeah. notes can be found at tentative.fm. FM. Oh, FM. sorry. I, I, so, oh, this this is our first uh, episode too, which, which makes, makes it okay that we're screwing up. Yeah. And uh, do we have an email? Host at tentative.fm. So if you have any feedback or corrections or uh, any remarks, please send them. Okay, let's wrap this up. <laughs> Bye. Bye.